The message you are listening to was recorded by Campus Outreach for the 2022 Campus Outreach New Year's Conference. More information about Campus Outreach New Year's Conference can be found at conycindy.com. So, my name is Chase. I work for Campus Outreach in Western Michigan uh, at Western Michigan University. So, have a new campus for Campus Outreach in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Originally from Illinois, I uh, lived in Peoria for a number of years, worked at Bradley University. <laughs> Bradley. Um, go Braves or Gargoyles, I don't really know. Um, they're having an identity crisis, if you will. Um, and then I went to a place called Monmouth College, which you probably never heard of, but Roll Scots, it's a great place to be. So, um, Camp Sarge is no longer there. Uh, I'm married to my wife, Jess, who's in the back. So, with my son, Bennett. He's maybe half asleep right now. Obviously, he doesn't think I'm that interested. Um, he's already got a secure identity. Uh, other than that, you know, I think we can just jump in. So, I'm going to go ahead and pray, uh, and then we can kind of hit it. So, let me pray. Father, uh, we have tried to put our identity in all sorts of things. Athletics, our friends, girlfriends, or boyfriends, our grades, our parents, our families, um, even our Christian activity. Uh, Father, we pray that today you would kind of peel back some of those layers uh, and see the things that we have been falsely putting our identities in and that we would find an identity that's grounded in the work of Christ and what you declare about us. Um, I pray that we'd see that clearly today and that would change everything about our lives. We pray this all in Christ's name. Amen. So, um, as I've worked on the campus and maybe just lived my life, uh, I've just kind of realized that I think that most of us have a common goal. Uh, most people kind of have this ambition to live what I might call the good life, you know? And we pursue the good life in a different ways. Some people want to make money, some people want to have cars, whatever. But I think the good life um, consists of a few things. We want to feel significant. We want to feel secure. Um, we want to feel like uh, safe. We have all these desires. We want to have a joyful life. And we want to be content. Like everyone wants those things. But the reality is, as I would just guess, and you're probably feeling this more during like COVID, and you guys have been to school for the last few years, that it's like no one's actually achieving that. No one's living like the good life, right? Some people think they're pursuing it and they're falling short. Some people feel like, I don't even know what I'm pursuing. Um, and so we have a common goal. We want the good life. And we have a common problem, is that no one's actually achieving the good life, right? No one feels significant. No one really feels secure. No one really has lasting joy, and no one seems to be content, right? And so we find ourselves in this talk. And I think at the root of that issue is that we have failed to answer this question correctly. And it's, who am I? What makes me me? What makes my life purposeful and significant? And secondly, who tells me who I am? How do I know? Is it me who tells me who I am? Is it my parents? Is it my church? Is it my school? Is it my friends? Who makes me me? And when we fail to answer those two questions wrongly, the direction of our lives is radically altered. And maybe this quote will capture what I'm saying is that um, our view of ourselves or our opinion of ourselves drives our conduct toward others. And maybe to take that one step further is how I view myself changes the whole direction of my life. To sum that up really briefly, if I think I'm a basketball player, I play basketball, right? If I think I'm a guitar player, I play the guitar. And so how I view myself changes what I do, what I spend my time on, how I present myself to others, all those things. 
And so at the core of this is who I think I am changes how I treat other people and it changes what my life consists of. And so this question is vitally important. And the way I want to tackle it today is this idea of knowing, okay? And so you guys have probably heard this phrase, like uh, getting ready for interviews and stuff. They say it's more about who you know than what you know. You guys ever heard that? It's all about like, you know, like <laughs> go be involved in knowing clubs because it's about who you know, not what you know. Be in this fraternity because it's about who you know, not what you know. Um, and it's all about connections. And the point is this, is that if you want a successful career where you get to do what you want and be like make a bunch of money and all this stuff, you've got to know the right people, right? And so your relationships give your life significance. And I think when it comes to just having um, a pursuit of the good life, just your life in general, it's about who you know, right? And the way we answer that question will determine our identity and determine the direction of our life, if that sort of makes sense. And so the reality is how we answer that question, who do I need to know to live the good life, determines that direction. And I think, and this is kind of your first main point here, um, it, just a, a comment on the outline. There's not like fill in the blanks. I hate fill in the blanks. I think it's the worst, and you guys can criticize me for that. Um, it's just, these are general ideas about what I'm talking about. So feel free to write whatever you need to on there. Um, but the first main point is this, is that most of us believe, who do I need to know to live a good life? I need to know me, right? I need to discover who I am. Who am I uniquely made to be? What, what should I do to follow my heart, chase my dreams, be true to myself, find myself, right? You guys have heard those sayings. Like, I don't need to talk about all the places you can find them in culture. But you've been told that your whole life, right? Chase your own dreams. Don't let anyone determine your path. You make your own path. Chart your own way. You're unbounded. Do whatever you want to do. Do what you're made to do. And secondly, you've been told your whole life that you're one in a million. You know, no one's like you. Like, you're the most unique person that's ever lived on the face of the earth. And we've been told that our whole lives. And so, those are the things that have guided, like, how do I know who I am? What do I need to know? I need to know me. What makes me, me? And that's our number one pursuit. And so before I go on, I want to take 20 seconds. And I want you to ask that question. When you think about your own life, who are you? Like, when you say, I want to be the blank guy. I want to be the blank girl. Like, who are you? So take 20 seconds to just think about that question real quick for me. Cool. I hope you guys have had enough time to think about that. I'm sure you've thought about that before. So I'm sure you've answered it in a bunch of different ways. Some of you probably said, I'm the athlete. Like, who do I want to be known for being? I'm the athlete. I play football. I play baseball. I play volleyball or whatever. Some of you like... I want to be known as like the good at school guy. You know, I get good grades. My parents know me for that. Or I want to be known as the party guy, right? Like I'm the wild guy that goes out to the parties and get hammered five days a week or whatever. Like that's who I'm known by. No one tells me what to do. I only tell myself what to do. Some of you want to be known by the relationships you have. Like I want to be known as the boyfriend or girlfriend of so-and-so. And that's what gives your life significance. Um, some of you just want to be known for being the guy who gets lots of girls, right? Or the girl who all the guys like. Like that's what your life consists of. What gives me meaning? That. And some of you want to be known for being the Christian guy or girl. That, man, who am I? Like, I'm the guy that shares his faith, reads his Bible all the time. And you've kind of determined that's who I want to be known as. But when we really think about this, like this idea that I create my own identity, right? You immediately feel that it is kind of insignificant. Like, it doesn't really hold up for that long. And that's where this diagram's going. If you look at the big circle, just to explain what this is all about. 
the arrows facing in towards what's what I've labeled the true self. It's like, that's your deep, you know, that's who you are deep inside. And we, who do we need to know myself? I look deep in and I've got to discover what that little seed of who I could be is. And then this, what I'm about to say is when we find that out, we realize we have to share it with other people. Does that make sense? And so you can't just sit in your bedroom one day and decide, you know what I am? I, especially me, I couldn't say this. I'm a basketball player. You know, like, who am I deep in my core? Like, I'm a basketball player. And I, I could sit in my room all day and think that. And then as soon as I show up, you know, my first high school basketball tryout, and I get cut, it's like you realize it didn't really matter who you thought you were. Is that that identity had to function in the world around you. It has to be affirmed by others, if that makes sense. And so you can't just create an identity on your own. Your identity has to be lived out in the world around you. It has to have consequences for the people who you're around. And so this idea that I can find myself could be maybe somewhat true, but ultimately it has to find its end in those around you. And so um, when you get cut from the basketball team because we think we're the ultimate authority, this is what a lot of people say. When you, you, know, you work for Camp Saratier, a lot of people say stuff like this. You know, I didn't get to play in high school because my coach, you know, he just didn't like me. It's like, oh, your coach didn't like winning either, did he? Like, he only wanted the best players except you. Like, no, like, because you thought you were the greatest and you were a basketball player, but your coach didn't recognize that, he cut at the core of who you are. He denied you being you, right? And so either you gossip and slander those people who don't allow your identity to flourish, right? Or we do something else when we try to, we're trying to make ourselves Someone denies us, right? We, we ask the girl out that we like, and she says, no, you know, or we try to get into that fraternity, and they say, I'm not giving you a bid or whatever. And so we either decide those people suck, and they didn't recognize who I truly am, or maybe they give me a glimpse as I haven't looked in deep enough, right? I need to go in deeper to my core, like, who am I? And I need to remake myself, right? I need to discover something else, and then I'm going to go present that in the world, if that idea makes sense. And so, I think there's a few flaws in this. Um, obviously, I think there's flaws in this. And here's a couple that I just want to highlight that I hope will be helpful. Um, the first is this, is that there's an issue with discovering the true you, and it's you don't know the true you. Have you ever woke up and one day, like I think this all the time, I work for Campus Outreach, and I think, yeah, Campus Outreach is great. Like, I love hanging with college students, and, you know, reading books, giving talks, whatever. But some days, like, I want to be a lawyer in a big city and make lots of money. You know, it's like, that sounds pretty cool, too. Or some days I think, gosh, what if I just cut trees down for a living? I don't have to think about anything. It's like, who's the true me? Is it campus outreach worker Chase? Or is it, you know, lumberjack Chase or whatever? Like, you know, he's a fisherman or something. Um, it's like, I have competing desires. Some days you wake up and think, man, I want to read my Bible. And some days you wake up and think, I want to go party with my friends. Right? Like, we all had that. You wake up with competing desires. My job, I, today I want to please my parents. Today I want to please my fraternity. Today I want to please my fraternity. Tomorrow I want to please the people in campus outreach. Like, we don't really know who the real us is. And so if that's what you're searching for, you will never find it. Right? You'll never know the true you because you have so many competing desires. Secondly, your desires are shaped by your context more than you think. Your phones, your family, and your friends, they craft like who you are more than you realize. Like, you're not just sitting in your room being like, looking inside with no external influences. It's like, no, TikTok's kind of telling you what you want to be, you know? Like, you know, whatever ad you saw on the internet that told you like, these clothes will make you a unique individual, it's like, oh, it was an American Eagle ad. 
and like 85% of the people in this room are wearing the same jeans. Like, shoot. You know, I thought I was going to be unique when I bought those clothes. Um, I, I saw this Ray-Bans ad. You guys know Ray-Bans sunglasses? Like the most popular sunglasses of all time? It said, find your unique, authentic self. And a Ray-Ban ad. It's like, probably more people have bought Ray-Bans in history than any other sunglasses ever. It's like, there's nothing unique about Ray-Bans. It's the point. And so, it's like, we've been so shaped by the people around us, and we can change our desires based on who's around us. And another way to illustrate this is, like, some of you are probably involved in, like, youth group in high school, and you thought, man, the thing that gives me significance is being, like, the leader of my youth group, FCA, whatever, and that, or you know people like this. But then when I went to college, I realized that identity doesn't really give me much ground here, much affirmation, but being in a fraternity does, Right? And so at one point, I was like, read my Bible, and you know, I wasn't cussing or drinking or anything. And then I went to college, and you look back and think, I almost feel like a different person. And it's kind of like, the reason is, is that you wanted to find your significance in those who are around you. It wasn't you discovered something new about yourself, it's the people around you shaped you. And so that's the second problem. Thirdly, this identity makes hypocrites of us all. And that's a really scary thought, is that... When you try to make yourself, like you, okay, I've discovered I'm this person, I'm a basketball player, to go with that analogy. And then we go out into the world, we're constantly afraid of being found out that we're not a real basketball player, right? And I'll get to some of my story in this in a minute that'll hit on this. Or you've kind of made yourself into the campus outreach person, right? And all you're afraid of being is being found out for that last sin you did, right? It's like, what if they knew what I did? then what would happen to my identity? I can never share that. And so you feel this constant hypocrisy because you presented yourself like this in the world, but deep down, you haven't even lived up to those standards yourself, right? Or you've tried to be the super unique guy. What if you were found out to be really mainstream? You know, it's like, oh, everyone else has those genes too, or everyone else found that guy on SoundCloud and they listened to him. It's not that unique, right? And so we're all afraid of being found out as being a hypocrite in some way, some form or fashion, and it terrifies us. And lastly, and this is the worst, is that this form of identity, as, as if you see the arrows going out, and so the external doesn't define you at all, right? It's all in a circle. But you project yourself in the world, is that people become a currency for you to express yourself. It's like they're rungs on a ladder that you're climbing to get to your kind of full self-realization. And so all people are, the only thing they're good for is if they affirm you for exactly who you present yourself to be. And the moment they don't, you cut them off, right? You get rid of them. You put them out of your life because they haven't let you be you. And that's a really terrible way to live. It doesn't allow you to, like, to serve anyone, to see other people as people to be loved. They're all people to be used for your own self-actualization. And that's a super dangerous way to live. And so those are just four common problems I've seen in all this. And so to illustrate this in my own life, maybe this will apply to some of you. You can see this. Um, to kind of share a little bit of my own story of identity formation um, is when I went to college, I wanted to play baseball because the town that I grew up in, it's like playing college sports. It's like, how did you find significance, joy, satisfaction, contentment? You played sports in college. I, like one of my friend's dads is like, he literally basically said that to me. And so the seed was playing like the true me is a baseball player, which is not true. Um, unfortunately, but I found like the only college in America that would let me on their team. My time in college. And for two years, I sat my butt on the bench, you know, and just kind of looked at the coach from the other side. I was like, hey, you gonna ever put me in? He's like, no, shut up. Like, stay away from me. Um, but my junior year, uh, 
I finally, we got a new coach, and magically, the Holy Spirit indwelt me, and I was good at baseball. Um, and I had an awesome fall season. Like, that's not lying. Like, I was just unstoppable. It's, it's really, like, it's hard to believe, like, even looking back. And he, my, our new coach loved me. He, like, he looked at me grabbing the hallway one day, and he's like, I'm making this team on your back. Like, my recruits are going to be built around you. He's like, he literally told me, he's like, you are mom in college baseball. And I, was like, and I was like, the dream's alive again. You know what I mean? Like, I can be Chase the baseball player. And then, once again, as quickly as it came, as quickly as it went, the spring season came around, and I couldn't have hit this podium with a baseball bat. Like, I swear, I didn't touch a baseball with a bat in three months during the, the spring. And he hated me, you know? Like, he just couldn't stand my guts because I, like, let him down so bad. Um, but it was just, you know, I was really just not a very good baseball player. But... What had happened is that I tried to express what I thought my true identity was, and for a moment it was affirmed by the authority, and I built my life around it. And then something changed, and it wasn't able to happen, if that makes sense. And so I decided, and, and then after that, like, I, I legitimately, I think, as I've reflected on it, is that it caused me to slip into, like, depression. Like, I slept for 14 hours a day. I thought it was weird at the time. <laughs> I was like, why is this happening? I'm just really tired. Uh, the reality was I was depressed um, because my identity was cut off by an authority and I didn't know who I was. And all the while I was involved in campus outreach and all that, I was sharing my faith, reading my Bible and stuff like that, but I had never really built my confidence on that thing. And so when baseball didn't work out, I decided, you know who I'm going to be? Chase the campus outreach guy, you know, chase the evangelist, chase the Bible reader. And so I shared my faith. I read my Bible more than anyone I knew. Like, that's probably true. And the reality was, is I was an angry, bitter, shallow person, right? And it never worked out. Like, the reality was, how good at campus hours did I have to be to build my identity on, right? When people don't come to Christ, when I fall into that sin again, do I hide it or do I share it? And so when I was projecting myself to be, I could never actually share the real me, right? I could never share my sin because... That's not the campus outreach guy, right? I could never share my failures because that's not the campus outreach guy. And so the reality was is that I had kind of like tried to build my identity and be the baseball guy. It didn't work out. I remade myself into being campus outreach guy until that didn't work out either. And I had to find the source and foundation of my identity somewhere else. Uh, and we'll get to that in a minute. But I'm sure some of you uh, can resonate with that kind of trajectory. Um, a lot of us probably in this room. And maybe this is just an aside. Like, if you're a campsite staff in here, which is probably some of you, like, I'm talking to you. Like, you're probably here because you're building your identity on campus outreach. You think if I share my faith, read my Bible, and all that, that will give me joy, satisfaction, contentment, right? But you've got secret sins. They're making you a hypocrite. Like, I'm talking to the students. I'm talking to you. And I found myself there. Hiding sin, not dealing with my anger, not being a good person. And so, just so you're not off, like, out of this, like I'm talking to you, like you're doing this, and it's a serious problem, and you have to find the foundation of identity somewhere else. And so, what do I do with this information? What did I need to found my identity? What do you need to found your identity on something else? And I'd say this: you need a guide. And so, to tell, kind of to explain this, here's a little story for you. About two years ago, my wife and I moved to Michigan. <clears throat> I wish I had the time. We're good. Um, we moved to Michigan. We decided let's explore the state of Michigan, and so we went to the UP. You guys know the UP, Upper Peninsula? It's, if you don't know where it is, it's basically Canada. And it's a desolate wasteland for the most part. There's a lot of trees and like lakes and stuff, but it's like going into Jurassic World or something. It's primitive up there. Um, and so we go on this, we thought we were going to backpack, which is ridiculous. 
Um, but we decide we're going to go on this like hike to see these waterfalls or something. So we go day one, we find a trail, and there's like a yellow caution sign, but we're like, we're 24, 25, we're pretty fit, like caution sign, whatever, like we can do this. And the next day we come back, didn't read anything about it, and we just jump on this trail. And it's like an unmanicured, unpaved, like uncharted territory. And we had to hike like seven miles across, you know, like hills. There's like, is it like are we going to see a bear? You know, we got mosquitoes that are about this big, just... It's superhuman, we're hot. And like at one point, Jess and I are looking at each other like, are we ever going to make it out? And finally, on the other side there, we, got, we literally got done, and we were like, we can't go back. Like, I can't go back there. Like, I'm not going back, Jess. And she's like, I'm not going back either. That was the worst hike in my life. And so we get to the other side. I don't think we saw anyone the whole hike, to give you an idea of like how remote this was. But we get on the other side where the actual waterfall is, and some lady's like, you guys look terrible. Can I give you a ride back? I'm like, yes, please. Give us a ride back. But what we could have used on the front end of that hike, uh, this, the story was stupid, but it was funny, um, at least I think, um, is we could have used someone to stop us and be like, I've hiked that trail before. Um, it's pretty hard, but you know, you could probably do it. Like, this is what it's like. Someone who knew the trail, right? And that would have been sort of helpful, but it might have been dis- like deceptively like confidence-giving. What I really needed is someone who both knew the trail and knew Jessica. Does this make sense? So it's not me knowing the trail. It's not some random person knowing the trail but not knowing me. I need someone who knew me, what I was capable of doing, and what I would like doing, what would give me joy. And so what we need more than just knowing someone or knowing something is we need someone to know us deeply and intimately, and we need someone to know the world that we live in and inhabit. And so that's where this talk is going, and that's the second part here that we're going to get at. And so... If our attempts have failed at us knowing ourselves, us making ourselves known in the world, then this is what we need. We need someone that knows us completely, sin and all. We need someone that knows the world comprehensively and how we should live in it. And we need someone that has all the authority in the world. And so, like, we don't need someone with a little bit of authority that someone else can re-identify us later. We need someone that their authority can't be stripped by anything or anyone else. Is it what they say goes? That's who we need. And so ultimately what we need is what Paul says in Galatians 4. So you can write this reference down if you want to look at it later. Galatians 4, 9, he says this, But now that you have come to know God, pause, or rather to be known by God. And I think that verse is paradigmatic for understanding what Paul's saying in all of his letters. Is I have been known by God. It's not that just that I know God. It's that God has known me. And that is transforming for all of life. And that's where this talk is going. And so the question becomes this, is how can God know me? And the answer to that is that God knows me in Christ. And we're going to get some of the reasons why that's important. And so the first is this, is that when God, we are known by God in Christ, is that when God looks at us, he sees Christ. And so what we think is, if God knows me, he sees my sin. And this is what John always learned today a lot of. He sees my sin. He sees my failure. He sees what I'm about to do and how I'm about to screw up. And what we need to know is that when God sees us, he primarily sees Jesus Christ. And so when he looks at us, he's like, hey, who is that? And you're like, I'm right here, God. And he's like, I can't see you. I can't see you. And he's like, because I see Jesus Christ surrounding you. All I see is Christ, his righteousness, his perfection. And so to understand this and why I even make that reference 
In Colossians 3, Paul says this, If you then have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not the things that are on earth. For you have died. So your identity that you're trying to make yourself dead, it's gone, doesn't matter anymore. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And so for those of you who believe in Jesus Christ, your identity is so like fundamentally constituted by Jesus Christ that when God looks and he sees Jesus Christ. And that is paramount for your identity. And so he doesn't see our sin, he sees Jesus. And so what, what does this mean? First, our sin has been taken care of. So the thing that stood between us and God, it's gone. Sin is dealt with. Secondly, our identity is accomplished in the past by Christ's work. And so it's unchanging. And so when you try to make your identity, you have to take that identity in the world every day. Like if you're trying to be the basketball player, the analogy you've been using, every day you go to practice, you're putting it on the line. I've got to perform. I have to show out. I have to prove my identity to be true. But when you put your identity in Christ, or rather you've been known by God, is that your identity is constituted by something that's already happened. It's done. It's in the past. It's like you're an inheritor of will, and the ink's already on the paper. It can't be changed. Like what Christ has done is accomplished, and so your identity is in the past. It's done. And what that means is that your identity is declared on you. It's not founded by you. And so it's external. It's declarative. It's not internal and subjective. It doesn't go up and down with the, the tides of your life. Is that God tells you who you are, and that's unchanging, and that's really important. And I think this gives us what I call three tenses, like three perspectives in our identity. First is that in our past, we are forgiven and justified. We're done. Like our sin is dealt with. We're forgiven by God, and that's already settled. And our, our present tense, our present state, is being called a son or daughter of God. And we'll get to this in a second. In our future is that we will be with God, we will see God, and we will be like God. And that's what we'll get to towards the end of this talk. And so there's three tenses of our relationship, and how it's constituted by Christ, and that we're known by God. And so that's where we get the second picture. Do you guys see this with the cross? So if you see the first one when you're looking at the true self, is that only the only thing that deals with the external world is what you share with it. Does that make sense? But the second picture, the cross, is constituted from the outside in. It's what God says about you. It's what he says, not what you feel, if that kind of makes sense. And so hopefully that's helpful. You see, your true self is, like, totally changed, right? It's covered up by the cross because your true self is formally, like, formally identified with Jesus Christ. And so the second thing that we need to know about this, being known by God in Christ, is that if God, who knows all things and holds all authority, knows us, then we have nothing and no one to fear. No information will be revealed that God doesn't know. Rejection by other sub-authorities won't seek us into despair because our ultimate authority has accepted us. And so we don't have anyone, like no information can be leaked, no authority can come into your life and change who you are as it's settled by God. And that's really important. And so I want to talk about what changes would this make in your life. And there's four things that I think this would matter for. Um, the first one is this. Being known by God in Christ gives you a new position. Okay? Where I get that is just Romans 8.1, or anywhere in the New Testament, really, but I just picked a passage. Um, the Bible has a lot to say about identity. And so Romans 8.1 says, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so if you're in, like, 
If I'm in this room, like I'm in Christ Jesus, God treats me according to Christ. I'm there positionally. Once I was under sin, once I was outside of God, once I wasn't known by God in that sense, but now I'm in Christ, I'm known by God. My position has changed. And that's really important. So we have peace with God. No more fear of God and like uh, he's going to punish these sins. We have peace with others because I don't use them. I don't need them. Like if, if Wayne looks at me like when I was trying to build my own identity, he had a lot of authority in my life. Right? If he affirmed me, I felt good. If he rejected me, I felt bad. I needed the approval of people around me. But when God declares my identity, I don't need Wayne. I can be friends with Wayne. I can serve him. I don't have to use him to promote myself. He's not the rungs on the ladder that I'm using to climb. I become the ladder that I can serve people with. Does that make sense? And that's really important. And lastly, we have peace with ourselves. Your sin's been dealt with. Your guilty conscience can be cleared. What you have, the baggage in your past, as John always talking about, is taken care of. And so we have peace with ourselves. The second thing that this gives us is a new privilege. And it's calling God Father. Um, you, get, you know, Romans 8, 15, Galatians 4. We not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. We receive a spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And so you were once alienated, estranged, hostile to God, but now you're called a son. You're his daughter. He's well pleased with you in Christ. And so we know that when hardship comes, God's disciplining us for our good, not punishing us because of our sin. He wants our good. Um, we can pray to him and have changes in our life. And lastly, is that when suffering comes, it's the hand of our loving Father, not the hand of our disciplinarian or something like that. And so we know that God cares for us. He cares for you. He, and like the Bible language, when it uses like this word know, it's like intimate. Like he knows you. Like he knows you in the context of relationship. Like God, you know, God Almighty knows you personally. He cares about you as his own son or daughter. And I think that would change a lot of things in our lives. Um, thirdly, and this is maybe the most important um, part of this talk in some senses, so listen, um, is it gives you a new power. And so what I don't want you to hear me say is, I'm loved by God. I can do whatever I want. You know, like, oh, I don't have to fight sin anymore. It's like, no, no, no. That is not what I'm saying at all. Um, what I'm saying is that when you are known by God, is that you aren't you anymore. You are you in Christ. You are filled with Christ. Christ is in you. And so, when you're identified as the basketball player, you play basketball, when you're known by God in Christ, you pursue God. Like, that is the fundamental concern, and you are able to. And so, Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. It's no longer the life I now live in the flesh, and no longer live by... Wait. Oh, you know, I memorized this once. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And so the reality is that my identity is constituted by Jesus Christ, and it changes what I do. It changes the direction of my life, what I care about, what's important to me, how I serve, how I love, do I read my Bible, do I fight sin, is that your identity changes your direction. And if you are known by God in Christ, it changes what you do. And we have a new power, and that's really important. And then fourthly, and this is really important too, and I don't think a lot of people talk about this, is we have a new prospect, or maybe a better way to put it would be, you have a new future. And why this is important is that when you look at yourself, you know, as a Christian, as not Christian, whatever, is you see so many competing desires. Like some of you are sitting here saying, yeah, Chase, like I think I'm a Christian and I'm a porn addict. Does God love me? Yeah, Chase, I'm a Christian, but man, I can't stop getting drunk with my friends and hooking up with my girlfriend 
and doing whatever, cheating on my test, being lazy, yelling at my parents, all this stuff. Like, what am I going to do with myself? Like, am I really a Christian? Like, what if I should just pursue those things? Because I can't live up to the Christian life. I can't. Like, I'm about to break, and I've got to go one way or the other. There's a fork in the road, and either I'm blank the, the alcoholic, the porn addict, or I'm blank the Christian. Does that make sense? And your identity is about to break. And what I'm saying is that if you have to look in and discover the true you, eventually you're going to have to go with your sin. Like, eventually you're going to say, I can't. I can't be the Christian guy. I can't keep this act up. The true me is my sin. And I can't escape it, so I might as well pursue it. Does it make sense? Because you've identified yourself in that way. And this is what I think is hopeful for you. It, what First John chapter 3, verse 3 says in following. Um, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it does not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. So what I'm saying is this. It's like, I've known so many people that, I've known people who work for Camp Salvation, and there's students who Camp Salvation in churches, and they're kind of doing this, they're making their identity based on being the Christian guy. That's really who I'm speaking to here. Like, if you're trying to build your identity and be like the Camp Salvation guy or whatever, um, but deep down, they felt competing desires, right? Like, I want to date this non-Christian person. I, I kind of like drinking a little too much on the weekends. Like, I have this secret addiction or this secret thing going on. And eventually they think, I can't keep the act up. I'm a hypocrite. And they think, man, I'm just going to go with it. And I've seen them reject the faith, just outright deconstruct. Like, right, that's like a popular phase. And it's because they form, they're building their identity, they did even as a Christian, on looking in. And when they eventually looked in, they said, Inside is not Christian. It's this addiction. It's this sin pattern. And I can't get rid of it. It is who I am. And what I'm saying is that if you're in Christ, that's not who you are. Even, the, even when you were at your lowest moment, if you were in Jesus Christ, your future is sinless. It's perfect. The doubt you feel that overwhelms you at times, that's not who you'll be because you will see him as he is. And so if our identity changes our direction and your, like your identity is bound up with what you will be, live in light of that. Like, live in light of, I'm not Chase, you know, the porn addict or whatever. I don't have to be that. I can fight it, and I will live in light of who God is making me to be in the future. Therefore, I will fight my sin. I will read my Bible. I'll be in community even when I don't want to be, because God tells me who I am, so I'll live in light of that identity. And I hope that makes sense and is encouraging for you. And so, kind of as we close down here, um, what, what does this mean for me? Uh, where, where do I go from here? So I think there's probably some of you in here, if I had to guess, who are wrestling just with the Christian faith. Like, maybe you came in and they're like, ah, oh, I think I'm a Christian, I'm just here, my friends invited me. You know, if you came from Western Michigan, you're like, oh, it's only 75 bucks, so, you know. Uh, it was pretty cheap, it was a good weekend. Um, and you've just found yourself here, and I think this, is you're wrestling with being a Christian, I think that becoming a Christian can be an identity issue. And it's either this, I'm going to identify myself by what I do, right, by my accolades in the world, my grades, my job, my family, all that, right? My good works. Or I could identify myself by my Christian acts. I go to church, I read my Bible, I share my faith, right? Or becoming a Christian looks like saying everything I count as gain. This is Philippians 3, if you guys want to read this. Everything I consider gain, I now consider loss because I have gained Jesus Christ. So at one point, I was trying to earn all these things for myself, and I realized they were loss. 
And my greatest gain is that Jesus Christ has known me. He has possessed me. I'm owned by him. So becoming a Christian is an identity shift. It says, at one point, I was pursuing myself, my own desires. And when I become a Christian, it says, I'm owned by Jesus Christ. He identifies me. He tells me who I am. And so I would just say, if you're pursuing your own identity, like you've got to deal with all the stuff I said, the hypocrisy, the who am I really? Am I ever living up to those standards enough? But becoming, you know, a Christian means I'm in Christ. It's his identity that tells me who I am. And it's secure, safe, steadfast, and those things. So, you know, make faith in Christ. Uh, that'd be a good thing. Uh, the second thing is this, is that many of us, and I've already hit on this, are defining ourselves, except now it's as Christian. So maybe one way you can think of, like, this expressing ourselves out is, like, putting clothes on. So one way people, like, express their identity, right? I mentioned, like, the SoundCloud thing. It's like, I listen to these people on Spotify, or, you know, I wear these type of clothes so people know this about me, like, you know, like the 90s, like the Nirvana shirt. And, like, no one listens to Nirvana, but everyone has a Nirvana shirt now, which is bizarre. Um, but it's because you're trying to express something about yourself. He says some of you have traded kind of your, like, cool party clothes for the Christian clothes, you know? Like, you know, my old clothes, they kind of look good at parties, but now I'm trying to make my identity by putting on, like, a polo and going to church, you know? I read my Bible. And you're trying to constitute your identity by what you do as a Christian, not by being declared by God that you are in Christ, that you're his child. And so um, if you have that going on, it's like, drop it, you know? Don't try to make your own identity. Be defined by Jesus Christ. Uh, and that's what Christians really are. And I think that would probably be helpful for you. And so um, to kind of close here, uh, we've kind of seen that looking in and self-promoting, it just fails. It deals with hypocrisy. Um, you feel like you're never enough. It'll always fall short. Um, and we also have learned that looking out and being known by God is secure. It's unchanging. And it gives us confidence and hope for the future. And so, when we are known by God, his knowledge of us, his knowing of us, and our desire to be like him, um, it allows us to pursue a knowledge of him. So that we're known by God, frees us to know him. And then secondly, rather than knowing ourselves, right, we know God, and rather than promoting ourselves and expressing ourselves, we promote God. We are identified by him, and therefore we share him with others. And so when people see us, they see Jesus Christ. When we talk, it's not about ourselves or promoting ourselves. It's about promoting Jesus Christ. And so it changes everything, the whole direction of our lives. And so um, because God has ultimate authority and full knowledge, we must seek to root our identity in being known by God in Christ in our pursuit of the good life. So if you want a life that's stable and secure, that you feel significant, um, that you have joy and contentment, you can pursue it on your own and it will always come short, as you've already found out, most of you in your life. Um, or you can be defined and declared in Christ by God himself. It's an identity that's not changing. It's not subject to your feelings. It's not subject to those around you. It comes from an ultimate authority. And so we need to put um, our identities in Christ and by being known by God. And so uh, let me pray and then we can close it down. If you guys have any questions, like, you know, I'm pretty free at this conference for the most part. So... If you have any questions, you're like, oh, that was stupid what you said. I want to know more about that. Uh, just let me know. Um, and you can come up to me after this. I've got some free time as well. So uh, let's pray. Father, um, God, we have sought uh, to put our identities all sorts of things. Baseball, um, our friend groups, our relationships. And God, we have been utterly disappointed. But not even only that is that we've done some really bad things in pursuit of those identities to make ourselves um, like that, to feel secure like that. And we've always come up disappointed, and our lives have been more broken. 
And so, God, let us find our confidence and our identity by being known by you, that you declare who we are, and that we are defined by you, and the direction of our lives will change based upon that identity. So, God, let us find our confidence there. We pray this all in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Campus Outreach. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without written permission from Campus Outreach. For more information, we invite you to visit us online at conycnd.com.